So I just want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. And I'm going to do a little bit of review, but, you know, of what we've talked about the last couple of weeks and stuff. But sometimes, uh, you know, reflection is a powerful thing. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's good, you know, you ever look in your rearview mirror and you see funny images when you're looking behind you and stuff. And, you know, uh, nowadays, you know, Trucks and cars have cameras, they have sensors, if you're going to hit something, you know. And the other day I was backing out uh, out of my truck and all of a sudden I heard this sensor, beep, 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 beep. And I go, Libby, go see what's behind the truck. And she comes back and it's just like a toy. And I go, we could have hit that. Anyway, but, you know, I didn't see it, but you had a sensor. And and a lot of times there's there's things that, you know, sometimes you've heard, well, you're not supposed to reflect back. But how many of you know sometimes... You've got to learn to reflect back because of what God's done in your past. And how God, and you know, you can't learn a lesson if you look back and go, hey, this, you know what? I remember when God touched me. I remember when God did this thing in my life. I remember when he took that bitterness that I had toward that person that I hadn't forgiveness for and I had to humble myself. I remember that moment. Now I can stand before people. Because of that moment, I can look back on what God has done, but yet also I look forward to what God is going to do through me. Amen. And so I believe this, you know, we, we, all have those, we all have those reflection moments, and they're powerful. And sometimes the best coaching takes place after the game. How many of you are talking about? Uh, my son Nathan, uh, who's big in the baseball and all that stuff, and a lot of times we'd have these moments after the game, and he would, he'd get, Dad, I'd drive home, or we'd go somewhere to eat, and he'd start talking about, how do you think I did? And we start elevating, and you know, mamas, they go, be easy on it. But dads aren't built that way. Come on, men. You know what I'm talking about. You know, just be nice. Be easy. You know, honey, don't, don't be mean to them. Don't tell, you know, you got to tell them that you're, you, son, you sucked. <laughs> yeah, that play, that bat, that, when I went up there, you know, I should have looked at the ball a little better. Nah, I mean, your stance all wrong. You got to do this. And, and we just start reflecting. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? We just reflect. And sometimes that was the most powerful images. And sometimes after a game or things like that, a coach would get you aside or, Whatever sports you were involved in, it was after the game. They start talking about things that you did or mistakes you made, and you learn from those mistakes. It's okay to be reflective. Amen? And so this morning, we're talking about, you know, dreams and vision. The last two weeks, we talked about, just to recap, we talked about Nehemiah, how he didn't really see what was going on until he asked a question of people that came from Jerusalem, and he said, how's it going? And it began to give him, began to give him a description of Jerusalem and how the walls had been broken and how his heart began to break and things that he wasn't aware of. He became aware, and we talked about how important it is to be aware of what's happening even in our own community. How it's so important that we know that we're aware of, there may be marriages that are broken. There'll be kids that are rebelling. There could be kids that are cutting themselves. There could be people that, that are in a, in, a, in a life crisis and they need God at that moment. And sometimes we don't know what's going around us until we, make our, until we become aware. And when we become aware, we become accountable to what we're aware of. Amen? How many of you know that our city needs revival? How many of you know this region needs Jesus? We're aware of those things, so what do we do? I mean, it's God is speaking to us as individuals. Then you get a burden, you know, and you get a, he began to get a burden, and he began to get a vision, and he, began to, he went out and he prayed, and he poured out his heart. And as he began to pour out his heart, God began to give him a burden to go do something. He had a vision, and he told the king. And the king gave him permission, and we know that he was just a regular guy. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He was just a regular guy. He had a job. He was was in the palace with the king. He was a cupbearer. 
I mean, he, had a, just a, he was a regularly ordinary guy like you and me. And his job was to drink the cup or eat the food before the king got it in case someone was going to poison him. You know? I mean, you know, that's a trusted job if you're the king. You've got to trust that guy. And so, and so what he did is he went out on the limb and he asked the king. And get, king blessed him and gave him permission. And last week we talked a little bit. You know, the, the, the thing I love about me, he's just ordinary. And see, in the last week, we talked about it's overcoming. We talked about having faith, having overcoming faith in the process of being challenged. How many know that we're all challenged in our lives? And we talked about sometimes there's opposition that comes against us and how Nehemiah hid God's word in his heart. So when he prayed, he prayed God's word and how important. Are y'all with me? Am I going too fast? Okay. And so what happens is he begins to pray. And we talked about how you need the word, how you need not only the word, that when you face confrontation, it's probably a good thing because God uses confrontation to stretch us. How many of you know talking about? How many of you been stretched lately? How many of you going, that's enough? I just believe this. God will stretch you, but he won't break you. He won't shatter you. Sometimes we feel that's enough. No more. I'm stretched. You know, I remember Stretch Armstrong. My kids used to have that. You stretch that sucker. Go down the hall, stretch him. They can never break him. He could stretch. And it's kind of like our faith. Sometimes we feel like, oh, no more. And we're going to snap. But really the reality is God's up to something in our lives and opposition. And, and so, you know, and it's like then you look at it. And, and this is the pattern. When you look at the Bible, let me just say, and you look out throughout God's word, I want you to remember nobody models this better than Jesus. Just like Nehemiah. Jesus left a place that was good. It was nice. It was like Nehemiah leaving the palace. He was in the comfort of the presence of his father. Nehemiah was, he was in the presence of the king. He had a comfortable life. He had it going on. Say going on. Have it going on. Say going on. Some of you got it going on. But God wants to step in your world and he wants to challenge you. Oh, pastor, don't don't be talking to me like that. You see, what happens is, is that, that what happens is you see, don't, remember, nobody models it. Every story points to Jesus when you look at the Bible. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? But the common mistake everybody makes once they get to this point, how many ever been in a place where you've been challenged or God's speaking to you and you go, all right, if I get over this hump, it's, that's it, and it's all down here from here? How many of you ever made that mistake like me? If I just get to the other place, if I just get over here, everything behind me is going to be great. But you know what? I just got to get to that point. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, what happens is, you, you, how about Moses in the Red Sea? Remember, he got, he got the children out of Israel. Then all of a sudden, he had a Red Sea moment. Oh, shoot. And guess what? Pharaoh's after him. And remember, he had to get the trick stick. Okay? And put it on the water, and God split the water, and you think, well, how we got to the other side? They got drowned. They, they danced. They shouted. They partied. But how many of you know it wasn't downhill from there? There was a whole lot of mess coming up. How about Joshua and the children? When they cross over the Jordan, they get in the promised land, and they go, we made it. But guess what happened? There was enemies. There was conquer. There's things they had to conquer. There's things they had to overcome. There's things that they had to deal with. How about Daniel? He had to make a stand, you know, with his with all of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happens is a radical decision to stand. But that wasn't the last time he had to stand. You know, it take you take any passage in the Bible. Jesus left the palace to get to our brokenness, to get us out. 
so he can, he can, we can give us hope and he can give us a tomorrow. Amen? How many of you know all of us need hope in this room? And all of us need a tomorrow. It's not the song, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm not talking about that. I'm not going to do audition. You got to get past the storm. You got to get... You got to get past the storm. You got to get past the lake. You got to get past the Red Sea. Yes, there's painful moments, but the Bible is primarily about hope and listen to this and overcoming. You see, God is, I mean, oh, God's faithful. Three people believe that. Okay, how many of you know God's faithful? Okay, he, He's going to take you to the other side, He's going to see you through it. After it's all, and you know, then here's my mistake. Sometimes when I think that I'm at a pivotal moment, I think, oh, it's all downhill from here. I've made that mistake. If I just get to that point, and you know, when I get right here, am I talking to anybody besides myself this morning? Because what happens is you get to that point, you go, man, if I just get to that point, man, it's just going to be, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. There ain't going to be no rough waters. It's going to be cool. Eh, wrong. New levels, new devils. You know what? From faith to faith, from glory to glory. God, you know, God shows up. You know, it's going to be from faith to faith. Some people, you know, all those things that are behind you, you need to lay those things behind you, but you got to press on to those things that lay ahead of you as well. And see, so what happens is when we go through difficult moments and challenging times, we want to start shrinking back. But here's here's what's going to happen this week. After it's all, after this week, shamble up, and his guys, he's, and they're going to make one more desperate run at Nehemiah. That's what we're going to see in this story. And they fail. But guess what's cool? God shows up in an incredible way. So the walls get completed, and the enemies hear about it, and, and they're all afraid, and they realize God is with the people. You know what I'm saying? They were like, oh, they, there's no way they're going to do it. There's, there's no way. He caused the project to succeed. You might be saying, well, okay, Pastor Bubba, that's incredible. That's an interesting story, but, but what does it have to do with me today? What does it have to do with me today? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, I believe it's, it's about what God, it's not about what God is doing. It's what God is building in us. It's what God's building in us. What do you mean? See, this week, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about, there's two things. We're going to talk about, there's something I like, and we love it in South Louisiana. Say it with me, Celebration. People love to celebrate. You could, I mean, they have a frog come against, crosses the road. We have, we have a frog festival. <laughs> you know, you have, you have crawfish mounds getting your, I mean, sometimes we've had people go, Pastor, why don't y'all just levy up that little exit, uh, section in the church? We have a crawfish, you know, thing. I mean, you've seen the crawfish holes sometimes. I and mean, we just sell crawfish, build any building we want to build. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, we do, we love to celebrate. Come on, everybody in here. How many of you know we love to celebrate in South Louisiana? Come on, you know they say the happiest people in the United States are from South Louisiana? That's before they drink. You see, what happens is, what happens is, not only we're going to talk about celebration, but we're going to talk about reflection because God has been growing you. What is God doing in us? What's God been doing in us? I mean, I think about... 
15 years ago how we came here. And I don't want to go over all this again, but I, I feel like I have to. 15 years ago, because if this is your only experience coming right here, there was a whole, whole things that God, how God had to show up in our lives, how God came through, how God confirmed things, how God paid off debt like that, how God built buildings, how God touched people, and how people's lives were touched. If you want to stay fresh with God, get around people that are just getting saved. Because we came here, you know, we didn't come here to go, we're going to build buildings. We're going to build more churches. We came here for people. We came here for people, for God to touch people's lives. And when I look at empty seats, I go, that's a person that should be here this morning. We could fill that empty seat, that God could do something in their lives. Are y'all with me? Because we're fixing to go on a journey here this morning. I'm not going to be real long, I promise. I pr- I, I'll try not to be very long. Okay, and I'm going to try to be slow this week. I had somebody tell me I was a little too fast last week preaching. I just had so much to say. And so I have less to say, maybe. And, uh, and so you might, you know, he said, it, it's all about what God says. You know, John Maxwell says experience doesn't grow you. He says elevated experience does grow you. What do you mean? So this is what we're going to talk about. What did we learn about God through the process? Number one, what God starts he finishes. Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was completed on the, on the uh, 25th of Elam in, the 50, in, in 52 days. It was completed. It was finished. Wait a minute. This is chapter 6. And they completed it in 52 days. Now think about it. Now what happens is, you know, when God sets out to do something, he's going to accomplish it. When our enemy, and, and look, look at verse 16. So God shows up. This is great. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, that's finishing the wall, they were frightened and, humili- and, 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 and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the, with the help of our God. What does that mean? Philippians says, it says it like this, being confident of this, that, we, that he who began a good work will carry it to, to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. What that means is whatever God starts, God's going to finish it. Amen. Now, look at me. I look, you know, my wife and I were talking the other day. I've been battling cancer for four and a half years. And I, but you know what? I don't live every day. Like, people ask me, how you doing, Pastor? I'm doing good. Depends on what day you see me. On Tuesdays, I look like I have a, I have a beat face, red. I think you can call me Pastor Beat. On, on, on Mondays, I'm a little, like, greenish, you said, or green, okay? Green eggs and ham and bubba. And, but my wife and I, can I just be honest with you? I'm not living around going, I got cancer. We don't even, like, sometimes I just forget. Is that Okay. Okay, and I'm just like, I'm going to live my life because some people call me. I had a guy call me the other day. And he said, hey, we'd like you to be involved in something. And he just goes, how are you doing? And I go, I'm doing great. And he goes, really? Because I, I know that when people hear or hear things, they think their pictures, I'm in bed. i got a walker. No, no, I'm serious. They just don't know. And so... I'm just saying this, this is my, part of my journey. But I believe this. The God that started the work in Bubba McCann in ni- May of 1980 is able to complete that which he started whenever my time is up. 
My wife went and saw a guy prophesied over and says, you know what, Bubba can live as long as he wants or he can go home to heaven and God has kept him. So what, you know, I go, I want to live. And so what, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this, the devil has no room in my life. God will take me when he wants to take me. Are you hearing me? And whoever, if he starts a good work in you, he's able to complete that until the day that he goes, that's it. Amen? And so for every one of us, there's a time that God has to do something in our lives. And so this morning, you know, I believe this. God finishes one thing, and I'll just believe this. Then he's going to move you to the next. How many of you know that he's in control? That's what I'm trying to say. God is in control. Look at your neighbors. So God's in control. You, and, and you husbands, if you let your wife have control, he's in control. Take back the control God's given you. Amen? Don't be controlling, but just be a leader. Amen? I just thought I'd just throw that in there. He's not in heaven wondering. God's not in heaven, you know, doing this. How are we going to work this out? What are we all? He's not freaking out. He's not wringing his hands and going, how are we going to make this happen? You know, but he's never in a hurry because he's waiting for our development. He wants to include us in our, our, our own development. Amen? Amen? And so what happens, the walls get built in 52 days. That's chapter 6. Think about that. Okay? But there's 13 chapters in the book. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. Nehemiah is about repairing a wall, but it's more than just repairing a wall. If we're right in the middle of the of, right in the middle of Nehemiah, and it took fifty-two days, and there's thirteen chapters, something was happening that was bigger than the wall. What do you mean, Pastor? He could say, you know, they could have gone, you know, Amen, it's done, man, we did it. It's all down from here. Yes, we did it. Yeah, hey, come on, give me five. We did it. But see, I believe. It's a proxy. See, when, when we hit big moments, we think, man, we did it. That's it. Come on, yeah. How many of you know, how many know big moments are all right? How many of you ever had celebrated with your, your, your wife or your husband? Something God did, something showed up, and you go, yeah. And you go, the whole family, we're going to eat, we're going to eat crawfish. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've done that a couple of times. You know, like, hey, we're getting a return. We hadn't gotten one of those in a while. But anyway, I remember getting a return one time. We go, hey, everybody's going out crawfish when the check comes in. You know, so my kids, is it in yet? Not yet. It's a process. Our life is about a process. It's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. You start, then you finish. You know, I've ran in a couple of 5Ks, and I've done pretty good in them. But you know what? You got to train. And you got to train. And then some days when you do 5Ks, you go out there and you wear these little shorts. And I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry if I embarrass you as a church. You know, you, you pastor out there in these little shorts, and little tennis shoes and little shirt. And I mean, I'm trying, you know, and it's cold. And it makes you look ridiculous when you're cold because you're, you know what I'm talking about? And I can remember going out there and running. I remember my first one, it was um, Rice Run. And my wife was out there, and she was, you know, cheering me on and stuff and everything. But I was running out of shit. It got to a point where I was doing good. Then I had this young girl pass me up. I go, oh, she ain't passing me up. <laughs> then, like, this 60-year-old woman passes me up. I go, she ain't passing me up. So I'm motivated. If I can just stay behind that red-headed girl, maybe I can do pretty good. And I remember, you ever have where you're, you're like your lungs are rebelling against you? And they're going, oh, I can't it's burning. 
<laughs> all those lies that come to you. So I'm like, oh, I'm not, I can't. So I stayed. And I mean, I remember, you know, I, I did good in my age group. I came out second, all right, in my age group. Come on, not bad. And, and so what happened is, but at, listen, it was all about the training. It was all about getting across the finish line. But when you get across the finish line, you know, and you, you're, you're like, you know, water, Gatorade. <laughs> my wife's going, that's my husband. <laughs> you know, and I'm dying. And go, what do you want to do? I look, I want to go to Golden Corral where there's a buffet after this. <laughs> the heck with that. You know what I mean? I'm going to China buffet, whatever. You want to go buffet your body. Because what happens is, what happened is our life is about not a sprint, but it's about a marathon. And sometimes in the middle of a marathon, you want to give up. You want to quit. You want to stop. Life is not one race or one wall. It's a series of races and walls. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? I won't, I'll just say this. I want what God is showing us and telling us. You know, it's like Joshua and they, they had a milestone. They put a stone in the ground. They put stones in the Jordan. And it was like a milestone. And they said, hey, Ben, this is where God showed up in our lives. It was a moment where they were able to walk across the Jordan. And see, OSC, we're not, let me just say, we're not a convention center. We're not, we could do convention center style church, but we're a family. We decided we want to be a spiritual family, that we want to see people's lives changed. This is the same group of people that have been changed. The same group. Only a few months before, the city of Jerusalem felt, felt, it was felt run down, without defense, without hope, far from God, in, in great trouble and disgrace. But God gave the people a burden. So what did they do? They stepped out in faith. And so when they stepped out, he supernaturally provided for every one of them as they stepped out in faith. The wall was rebuilt, and the future of the city was forever changed. And we talked about it the first week, that we know that if you look at chronological order, Nehemiah should be the last book in the Old Testament. It was only a couple hundred years before Jesus had started his ministry, and he walked through the walls that Nehemiah repaired in the city of Jerusalem. See, Nehemiah was preparing for Jesus' ministry. And so for us, it's not just about repairing walls. It's not just about that. What it is is the wall was rebuilt in the future. And see, I believe this. When God does things, we're building not just for now. We're building for the future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the people in the city have been changed at, at even the deepest level. What do you mean? Look at, look at Nehemiah chapter 8. Did I, did I go to point 2? Okay, point two. I'm, I'm sorry. I was going. We thought God was building a wall, but He was really building us. That's a good point to remember. See, I, I was hearing all that, and I didn't. I realized, you know, my ADD kicked back in. But what happened is, is that, is that God? It's not about. Listen, it's not about buildings. It's not about a, more space. It's about what God is doing in us. Are you hearing me? Here, let me ask you a question. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. What's God doing in you? What are you allowing God to do in you? Listen, if you've been resistant because you feel like, well, God, just, you know, God, you see me. You know me. I mean, you could walk in here with sin in your life, dealing with things, walking through stuff. But you can walk out of here free, delivered, changed, filled with hope, 
filled with destiny, filled with vision, if you just allow God's love to break through. Let me tell you, the greatest force in the universe is the love of God. It's God's love. It's the greatest force. And you know what the biggest church builder is in the world? The Holy Spirit. He builds more churches than anybody. And it's us being open to allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to move in our hearts, to change us. And we're walking with what he wants to do and how he wants to do things. Amen? And so, but the people in the city had been changed at a deeper level. What do you mean? Nehemiah, look what happens in Nehemiah. Chapter, chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. And Ezra, he's the priest. He had a relationship with uh, uh, Nehemiah. Opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. And he was like in a podium like this. He was above all the people. That mean, and, and, he, and he opened it all. He opened it all. The people stood. So when he opened the Bible, when he opened the law, everybody stood up. And as he began... He began and, what's it, when he, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered. What did they say? Amen. amen and amen. Lifting their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. He, Ezra already knew. He knew the word. He had a word from God. And when he began to deliver the word of God, and he began to speak the word of God, you know what the people did? Amen. You know, you say amen to something you know is true. Something that you're part of. You go amen. You know, and God is faithful. Amen. Y'all missed it. <laughs> God is faithful. Amen. Come on. I just want to know y'all out there. Lord Jesus, I thought we were at, well, I'm not going to say what kind of church I thought we were at, but you know. <laughs> you know? When God, see, God's going to prove, God's going to provide for us. Let me just say this. God's going to provide for us more space. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? But here's the question. Who will, who will we be with more space? See, if God gives us more space, the question is, who will we be? We'll be the people that say, amen, God is faithful. Amen. amen. When God gives us more space, that means we don't change who we are. Come on. God should enlarge our heart. You know, and that, you know, it's like we talk about the Reach Center and we, what we're doing. I mean, we raised $157,000 in a year. Someone ought to give the Lord a hand clap for that. We're building the Reach Center. It's going to provide, it's going to be a multi-purpose building. It's going to provide places where we can do outreaches throughout our city to be able to mentor kids in schools. You know, we have a burden for kids in schools and teachers and things like that. We'll be able to have events here where we can do them for free. We'll be able to enlarge our children's ministry, which, well, let me just tell you something. It needs to be enlarged. How many of you got, how many of you got children and you bring them in there? You go, we might need more space. Amen? Okay, no one said Amen. Oh, we can just keep packing them in. All right. Just, and, you know, just pack them in there. But, see, when God does something like this, you relate to him differently. When God shows up and he's faithful and he shows up and he, it, 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 stop, it stops being an idea and it stops being uh, how can, hypothetical, it becomes, it becomes real. The, the intensity of God... Building people stay focused. See, building people, you got to stay focused on the core values. If you don't stay focused on the core values, what happens is you lose sight of what God has called you to do. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, you go to the cathedrals in Europe, which I've been. 
And, and you go to these massive cathedrals that were started in the year 900. And they didn't finish it until 18-whatever. I mean, 1,100 years, they built this one great cathedral that I walked into. And I'm like, and they got dead bodies on the edges and statues of these dead people. And who did that? But all those people get, you know, they, they sacrifice, they gay, all this. We're not putting dead people along the edges of people, right? So, but what happens is these churches that started with a vision, just like colleges here in America. Can I give you an example? Some of the most liberal colleges in America were founded on God. You know that Harvard, Harvard University was meant to raise up preachers that would go around the world. Princeton. I could go down Brown University. All these Ivy League colleges, they were started with a vision and a purpose. And many have converted to museums or historic sites now. You know, back in the day when brother so-and-so used to preach, John Wesley used to preach here, but there's no vibrant community or faith anymore. I mean, just, at, just recently at Duke University, they wanted to, ha- they wanted to let the Muslims at, the Congre- at their university, listen, it, university, have a service in the Christian church that the university was founded on in Christian. And finally, someone had enough sense to, wait a minute, there's one way to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through him. Does that mean that we, we, we're going to, listen, I'm going to love a Muslim right to Jesus. I appreciate all those amens and our political climate here. You know, because, you know, the reality is, is that I saw a guy that was being interviewed from Pakistan. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about Israel. The Taliban. The God that's in us is more powerful than Israel. Is anything that the Muslims can do. Because Jesus is in us. Trust us Christians in Pakistan. God will show up. And I'm going, come on. We're putting him on national TV. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm glad six people agree. But see, it's not about a building. It's, not a, it's, it's about the people in the building. I'm not willing. Listen, can I just say this? I'll be honest. I'm not willing to do this for a building. <laughs> I'm willing to do it for people, though. Amen. Don't win. I just know that I, I heard a Jerry. Um, what's the guy that owns the Dallas Cowboys? Jones. Jerry Jones. Thank you. Jerry Jones, if he could write out a check, he would write it out if he could win the Super Bowl. I promise you. How much is it going to cost? Because when he was building his billion-dollar stadium, come on, think about it. Billion dollars. What did people go do? Drink beer, eat popcorn, and eat too much. And watch some guys play with a little leather ball. And, and a thousand years from when, we're doing, when they're excavating what this civilization was doing, all they were playing with this little leather stupid ball. And people were coming to a stadium to watch that. Think about it. A billion dollars. The guy had some kind of vision, didn't he? To go watch. And I think about the church. And many churches just have a hard time building anything. Tom Benson. Remember the whole thing when he was about to leave? He was going to take the New Orleans Saints to San Diego. uh, No, San Antonio. You remember that? And everybody in Louisiana, that sorry, sap sucking. We were mad. Taking our saints. 
And you remember what happened? All of a sudden, he made a decision. I'm bringing them back. And everybody, we love Tom Benson. <laughs> he came from a zero to a hero. Amen. You know, because I, I believe this. By writing a check, you can't do it. But I believe this, when you have a team that can work together and you get the right people in the right environment with the right people, you can win the Super Bowl. And they're coached well. You understand what I'm saying? And I think in God, when you have the right people and the right vision and the right purposes for the kingdom of God, there's nothing you can't do for God's kingdom. Amen? And the third and final point is this. If you're with me, and I'm not going to forget this, when you know God's faithfulness, your worship's different. You worship different. You worship different when God supernaturally provides for you and demonstrates his goodness. Amen? Amen. That's why you need to get around people that just got saved. Because they're not glossed over with all the religious things. They get saved, man. They're like, come on. Somebody get excited up in the house. I just met Jesus. What's up with you? See, you you see things differently once you've trusted God and he's proven himself trustworthy to you. How many remember that moment when you met the Lord? Who put the the water on your wood? Get get that water. Quit playing around with wet wood. Let God just set you on fire. I'm spitting in the baptism, but they got a cover. But anyway, (laughs) it's kind of like putting a little Tony Sashery's in it, you know. (laughs) And so, why do you do that? Because God takes us, how I many you know God takes us through steps of faith, involving us, discipling others, helping out people in our family? How I many you know it, it's steps of faith? I mean, when I first got saved, I could believe for a Walmart parking lot space. I could drive in Walmart, Lord, I just pray you would just, you know, Lord, bless me. I need a parking spot. Somebody pull up, thank you, Jesus. I thank God for a parking spot. I was always, I was, and I still do this. I always look for people to tell somebody about Jesus wherever I go. If I'm in a goose blind, if I'm in a duck blind, if I'm at Walmart in the checkout line, if I'm just, I don't go to McDonald's anymore, bring my kids. But anyway, and, 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 you know, if I'm going over there, you know, and it's like I'm looking for people that I can share what God's done in my life. And if they can do it, someone that was messed up like me, If God can touch someone like me, he can do anything in anybody. Come on, let, let me ask you a question. Let's, let's just be honest. How many of you were kind of just a little messed up before you met the Lord? How many of you were just kind of little, kind of on the, come on. How many, how many say, well, I'm still messed up. But, I, but no, put it down. How many, how many you say, Pastor, I'll raise my hand to anything you have. No, put it down. Jesus said, the one, remember this, the one who's been forgiven much loves much. How about the lady with the alabaster box in Luke chapter 7? She broke it. She knew a depth of faithfulness beyond what she could explain. She goes, I can't explain this. But the most costly thing that I have, I'm just going to break it. And I'm just going to wash his feet with it. And then one of the disciples, man, that could have that that paid us for three years. That was like a year's salary. 
She lavished the Lord because what happens, she'd been forgiven of much and she didn't care what the cost was because she met the one that brings life. How about the religious leaders that, that, that had the measure, they, they, they had that measure of gratitude. They, didn't, they never had the measure of gratitude that she had. They thought he was just interesting. You remember when I, you look at the religious leaders, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't desperate. They weren't, well, we're going to figure him out. You know, they, and, and he said, then they tried to trick him. But then the Lord asked them a question. They just like, oh, golly, what do we do now? They just weren't, they weren't desperate. It stops being hypothetical and ideological, having some kind of idea of something. It becomes so real. How many of you really met the Lord in a real way? And he's changed your life forever. Let me ask you, are you grateful for that? You know, don't ever lose the attitude of gratitude toward what God has done in your life. Never lose that. Never lose the attitude that I'm grateful, God. Look what you've done to me. Look what you've, you know, look what you've done. See, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send uh, portions to everyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our God, to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is what? Is your strength. God doesn't, can I just say, God doesn't use guilt. God doesn't use shame. Our response is not to mourn. You know what our, you know what our response should be? Yeah, Lord, I'm so excited what you've done. You've been so great. Look what you've done. You provided for me and my family. You gave me a wife of my dreams. You gave me kids that are incredible. God, I mean, you provided for me and everything I've needed. I mean, I had one cancer um, drug, $13,000 for 21 chemo pills. Okay, I'm supposed to, and then I'm called insurance. Well, we're going to cover 3000 Well, well, I got 10000 I got to do, and I got to take that for a year. Okay, guess what I did? <laughs> you know what I did, God? I don't know how you can do it, but you have to provide can I just let you know right now? They send me those at least for six months, and, I'm, and they say, you can renew it in six months. I get them for free. Say it when you say free. free. Say free. free. How many of you like getting free things? You know why I can believe God? Because, you know, about 15 years ago, I needed a car. My car was breaking down. And my wife and I were on the phone, and I was coming back from a, doing a youth camp. And they were going to watch Jackie Velasquez at the lodge. You remember Jackie Velasquez? Anyway, anyway, I didn't, I missed it. But anyway, and, uh, and I'm on the phone, and she's, and I said, man, my car's running rough and everything. And little did I know, and she goes, well, this is a baby. And, I, and she goes, well, I, mean, I think I'm going to need a new car. And she, I remember she goes, well, well, we can't afford it right now. And I just remember her saying that, and I go, and I remember hanging up the phone, God, you know I'm driving this 1984 Buick Electra 225, my couch, going down the interstate. His, my nickname for my car was called the Hoopty. Because sometimes you would just drive right, turn the, the, the wheel right, it would honk by itself, and it gets stuck. 
remember driving Pastor Jacob somewhere and the horn got stuck and we're all in the car. No one wants to get out. Anyway. And you know what, what's crazy is a lady that I knew that I administered to her daughter at one of the junior high schools or with the Bible clubs that we had called me. Her, na- her daughter's name was Joy. And she called me. She says, Bubba, this like the Monday after that weekend. She goes, Bubba, God put you on my heart. I said, really? She said, yeah. She goes, uh, I'd like to help you get a car. Really? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I got about it. I got about $8,000, and I got this car place, and she, was, she, she told me to go to this car place. And, and then I went over there, and I said, they're ripping you off. You know, you, you ever have somebody that's trying to help you, and they got other people, oh, I'm going to help them. They're not, not really helping. They're thinking about the bottom line rather than help. You know, the car stunk. It was just all this stuff, you know. And I was like, well, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, call around. I have some friends that are. And then that night, I'm not kidding you. How many of you ever heard of Giles Nissan? Yep. Okay. I spoke at an event, and Bobby Giles called me. Bubba. And Bobby Giles. Hey, Bobby, what's up? He goes, man, you know, the Lord's really been putting you, put you in my heart. I'm going to give you a truck. I go, well, I don't want a truck. I need a car. You ever have that where God gives you the blessing? You got to tell him, I can't. I mean, in my, in my, my, man, my manhood, give me a truck. But for ministry purposes, I didn't need a truck. I needed a car. Long story short, the lady gave me 8000 I gave it to Bobby Giles, and he gave me a car, all the rest of the expense, all paid for. Okay? See, that was before I was pastor of this church. God was trying to teach me something in a moment. And we built this building. How many of you know God showed up when I was on a chemo chair wanting to give up? Because sometimes, even in the midst of your blessings, sometimes you want to quit and you want to give up. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I've wanted to quit. There's some Sunday, let me just say, during the week, there's some days on Sundays when I've come home and I look at my wife, how was it? And she, she's had to be honest. Well, you know, it was good, babe. Really? That good, huh? And you just kind of, and then or you have situations where people, you have, you're trying to help someone and they take it wrong and you just, or, you know, people falsely accuse you of things or, you know, come on, I'm, can I just be honest with you? And listen, everything may look good on Sunday, but Monday I quit. Can I just be honest with you? There's times when, you know, when things got hard around here. And I just, can I, all right, I'm not lying, preachers. Can I just be, I was quitting. I was looking at my wife. I said, I'm going somewhere else where they'll love me. I'm going somewhere else where the devil will show up. That's a lie. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Some of you guys that own businesses, you know what I'm talking about. I quit. I'm going back to work for somebody. But then you know you can't go back and work for somebody because you'd be miserable. Hello? And see, the reality is we always got to remember that we're in a season and God is doing something in our lives and you can't give up. And you have to have a grad attitude of gratitude. God, because can I tell you something? To stand up here 
It's not something I got to do. It wasn't like God convinced me, you know, I got to call on your life and you have to get up there. No, this is a privilege to come up here every Sunday. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to share the word of God. It's a privilege to give hope to people that have no hope. It's a privilege to watch someone that, like today, when we have water baptism, that, that, that people are going to get in this water and they're going to go down. And it's symbolic of what God has done in their life. All the old is gone. Behold, everything that's coming out of this water is all new. And thank God that God has done something new in our hearts. And that's why we can come in here and we can celebrate and say, yes, God, amen, whatever you want. Hey, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. But anyway, when we celebrate him, the good things he's done for us. Can I tell you, when you start celebrating, we're going to do that in a minute. When you start celebrating, you know what celebration does? It gives you strength. You start feeling bold. Yeah, yeah. Why? I mean, when I used to play rock and roll music, I mean, and I'd smoke a doobie or two, a bag. And then, I, then I'd go out and see my friends, and they were doing the same. Hey, man. Then all of a sudden, you're playing this thing. Well, come on, let's party. Ah! Ah! You're going, what is, what's up with Pastor Bubba? I'm just excited this morning. <laughs> it's okay, my wife's going to put your hair down, huh? <laughs> She's watching out for me. Don't look like the devil. People won't respond to the devil. Anyway. It's just strength. And that's why when we come here and Allie's leading us in and, and, and worship and people start raising their hands, what happens? There's a strength. There's something that's real that comes on us. Then we go, God, I remember where I was. I never dreamed of myself just lifting my hands before you and knowing you that all of a sudden the Bible has become alive and that Bible's not just pages. That Bible, you know, that Bible's real in me. And when I go read the Bible, the Bible begins to read me. But when you look at it, in all of, nearly all of chapter 9, it's just worship and prayer of the people. And it comes out of them. It's so exciting. Can I just say something? It's so exciting to be around a new believer. You know, because I, can I just be honest? I've been around new believers. They don't know how to talk sometimes. And sometimes the words that come out of them may shock some of you and make your face turn red, but you know God's doing something in them. I remember showing a guy one time he got something. I mean, he was so excited about the Lord. And, he, and I stood him, and I'm not going to say the word he said, but he goes, Dang, but it was different. And I knew what he meant. He was all excited. You know? And and what happens is, are y'all with me this morning? Because what happens, your life is not, your life is not like building a wall that leads to a single moment. It's more like a road. Your life is like a road. This is a journey, and we're all on that road. Amen? You know, every time we trust him, it gets a little easier. You know, I was looking on the map this week, and I was watching, because where I, well, where I went to go hunt this place, I saw that I, I was looking, and the Calcasieu River kind of goes through there. So I got on my maps, and I followed the Calcasieu River. You ever do that? And it's like it's, I mean, it is like 
all over the map. You go, what did he, like, when God created that river, he didn't know what it was doing. And I followed it, and I, I saw roads where my nephew lives now. I saw Goose Road. I saw, I saw where my brother and I used to fish with my daddy. Where my, and I was just looking at it, and I goes, wow, that's crazy. And all of a sudden, the thought came, that's kind of like my life. It's not very predictable where you're going. But if you look to God, he's going to get you to your destination. And we get mad at the children of Israel. 40 years. Hey, how about a lifetime? How about a lifetime? Because see, for all of us, this is an OSC moment for our spiritual family. And there will come a time when we all look back and we put our finger on what God did in this moment. Can I just say that? There's so much in store for us. There's so much in store for you. There's so much that God has for us. Listen, the vision God gave me doesn't quit because I got a bad report. The Bible says, who report do you believe? You know, whose report? We believe the report of what? Thank you for six people again. The report of the Lord. So this is a moment. What am I asking you to do? Last week I asked you, and, and ushers, you, 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 you come on up. And I, I know, I'm, this is what I'm asking you. I know many of you have already prayed, and, you've, and, and you're ready to, to go with this. I asked you last week to bring an envelope just to pray over that. I'm not here to uh, kind of coach you to do something or kind of manipulate you. That's never been, we've never tried to do that. And any of you that have been with us, you know that. And if you've ever felt that, we try to address those things. But here's the thing. What we need in the next couple of weeks, and I'll just tell you what we have and what we need. Is that okay? What we need to do is we need to do a soil sample because what we want to do, that parking lot behind the building over there, that's where we're going to build. It's going to be built off of that. We've got to tear that concrete out. We've got to do a soil sample. Soil samples aren't cheap, okay? You've got to do a soil sample. Then we've got to bring dirt back in there, and then we're going to put plumbing and electrical on that. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to pay cash. We're going to build... Our, we're going to get everything ready and pour the slab eventually, get, get all that. But right now, just to get us started, we need $30,000 just for that project. I'll just tell you what we've done. We've set aside what people have given the last couple of weeks. We've already received $18,000. I mean, you know, that's great. Okay, just for that project. I just want to let you know. I'm going to be straight up. We'll let you know. We'll tell you the little sample was too much, whatever, okay? And so what we're asking you to do today is that, you, you know, you've prayed. And so for some of you who didn't know, ushers, you know, you, you know there's an envelope under your chair. You can look, and there's a commitment card underneath your chair. Tracy, give me that commitment card. And for, for many of you that have already committed to this, you don't have to fill out this card or anything. We're not asking you to redo it. But for you that are new in our, in our, in our church since we did this last year, we, what we're doing is, you know, I believe in the defining moment of the history of our Savior's church. And, you know, I'd like to give a gift. And it just talks about that. You can just write your name, your address, and your email. And if you want to give weekly, monthly, annually, or it's a two-year commitment. We made a, originally it was a three-year commitment. We've gone through our first, uh, first year already. We've started the campus in, in, in Crowley like we said we would do. Amen. And God is doing great things. We're, at, we're averaging 130 people there on a Sunday. Someone ought to give God a hand. Last week we had six people get saved in Crowley. Six people gave their hearts to the Lord in Crowley last week. And so, you know, I, 
I, I've already done, you know, if you've already done one, you know, if you don't have one of these, you know, we definitely could pass it out to you. But what we'd like you to do, if you already made a commitment and, you're, and all your information is current, just write your name and, and write duplicate on it. You know, that's all you need to do. But if, you, but if you're joining us today and I ask you to fill out, put your name on there and the information at the top and um, it's broken down for your pledge. You can work uh, how we can do it. Like I said, weekly, monthly, annually with all different ways you can give. And if you have any questions, just put it this. You can, if you have a question, write your name on it and say, I have a question and write your question in the back and we'll try to get back with you. With any question you have, you know, hey, how does this look? What does it do? Can we see how things are spent? Do you give reports? We try to give reports. Try, we, you know, we did it monthly. Now we're going to try to do like a, at least a monthly, quarterly type update where people can kind of know where things are at. We'll let you know what's going on. And you have a reach envelope underneath your chair. If anybody, can y'all just grab those? I'll make me feel good that you're looking at it because some of you look at me like a deer in the headlights. And I'm like, man, I'm... You, if you were at my spot and you're looking at all these strange people looking at you, you'd want somebody looking underneath the chair. Anyway, if you lost your earring, just act like you're getting an envelope. But anyway, I'm asking you to give your best cash gift towards this pledge today to help us make this step. Like I said, I think we have 18000 It's like 300 and somewhat dollars and stuff, so it's really... It's 11000 something, close to 12000 that we need to be able to do this step. All, all I'm asking you to do is to ask God, God, what can I do? God, what are you asking us to do? And then what I want you to do, I want you to trust him. Is that okay? And so while we do that, I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come back up, and we're going to celebrate, and then the ushers are going to come and just collect the envelopes and collect the cards. So if the worship band, y'all come on up, guys. We're going we're gonna to celebrate because that's what we need to do. Amen? And as they're getting prepared for that, if you want to get baptized, you can go change. Some of you don't need to change. And I'm just playing. And, uh, and, but if you go, man, you know, I didn't sign up for a baptismal, but you know what? I want to get baptized this morning. That's happened. I remember last, oh, come on, somebody's excited. You getting baptized? Anyway, just, and I remember last time they had a lady come and she had like a suit on. And she went, got in there and got in the baptismal tank and got baptized. And she left in her suit wet. Amen. And so you don't have to be dignified, but God knows. So, so if you feel like, you know, if they, we got a line, people signed up and all that stuff. But if you want to get baptized and make a decoration, what God's done in your heart, you know, it's an opportunity for you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for what you're doing in us. And God, thank you that you're faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we thank you that not only you're faithful, but who, you that starts something and is able to complete that which you begin. And Lord, we know that it's not about building another building. It's not about building more space. It's about what we do with the space that you give us. I believe it's going to be done. But God, you're really building us. You're you're, you're speaking to us to step out in faith and to be stretched and believe you for greater things. And I pray for these people that, Lord, we're not here to try to make something happen. I just pray that there were people that would just trust you and believe you this morning for what you want to provide and what you want to do in this house and what you want to do in people's lives. Because, Lord, we know that it's not about buildings. It's about the people that you want to reach. It's about the people that you want to touch. In the mighty 
name of Jesus. Say, if you agree with that, say, I agree. Amen.